Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 162, and today we are talking about a first semester in China recap. Some of you are maybe curious. Well, Chad, you haven't done many teacher editions lately. You haven't been talking too much about your work in China and what it's been like. So uh, we figured it was long overdue to share uh, some of my thoughts, uh, ideas, and experiences from this first semester in China. It has been a great one, but there has been a learning curve, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And as usual, I know my co-host has come prepared with some amazing and tintillating uh, thought-provoking questions, so I'm looking forward to hearing those. So without further ado, my partner in crime, my buddy who has been keeping my sanity while I've been in China, Jared. What's going on, Jared? Hello. I hate when you say that because I have prepared no nothing. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, why is he saying this? He he doesn't know that. I haven't done anything. There's there's. I have one question. Lessons learned. That's it. <laughs> Oh. That's not even a question. That's a statement. <laughs> I said it like a oh, question. Dear Lord. That's true. Lessons learned. Uh, so yeah. So look forward to those exciting questions. Spread a little look love. Uh, follow us on uh, Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast, Twitter, Untranslatable One, the number one. Uh, you can also uh, give us five star reviews. Please give us five star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. You can uh, write a little review there. They're great. All you got to say, so informative, funniest podcast out there. Some simple, yay, smiley face. But as long as there's five star reviews there, that's all. We're, that's all we want. We're we're simple people. Um, that's true. And we're on YouTube too. Um, YouTube too. Um, I've been doing some some learning of my own chat. I, I I am back from you know as you know a series of of trips. I was in Louisiana for Christmas. I was in Toronto for New Year's, and now I'm like, all right, I've been traveling around a lot. Let's chill out. My credit card is smoking a little bit, like it's it's smoking both Max like up. oh my god, I've been abused, and also like there's it's smoking like uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it's uh, been worked too hard, um, and from all um, that friction from putting it in the credit card machine, exactly, exactly. And so I'm trying to find some things around me that I can do to entertain myself, but that's also uh, cheap to free, you know, free to cheap. Mm. Um, and I thought that's oh, always good. I live close to the DIA, which is the Detroit Institute of Art. Um, I'm going to go there, and I'm just going to look at some art. That is free for me because I live in Oakland County. And uh, so I went there, and it turns out they had a little presentation on art conservation. They were going around, and they were doing some art conservation on some of the, uh, on some of the art pieces. So I sat there, and I watched them um, dust parts of, of, of the painting. And then also I watched them... Um, uh, like stick pieces back onto it it was this piece that was built it was like a painting but on top of it it had like layers of sand thick layers of paint that were supposed to rep represent like brick and stuff and so over time it was built in maybe the 90s over time um you know the just the weight of, of all that stuff kind of starts sagging pieces start to fall off because it's sand it's thick pieces of paint and dust can get on it which can get into the paint and dry it out and stuff like that and so they I do all, they have all these techniques to techniques to conserve it and also it depends on what the artist wants because the artist doesn't want them to True. preserve it but the artist but they did get the artist to agree to um conserve it in a way that they can sort of slow down its de the degradation of it but not but not mm -hmm. sort of sure. not not once once certain pieces fall off they're not going to try to stick it back on to, but um, but they can but they can slow down the process of those pieces falling off, and so right. they they gave the little speech and and all the little um, different tools they use and I mean it was only like a ten minute thing, um, but I thought it was super interesting. And then obviously I walked around the museum. Other than that, but I thought it was super interesting, sure. and um, it seemed like a like and and it was interesting too to see like now I'm at an age where I'm like oh these people are like younger than me, but this is just like their job. <laughs> like, it'd be a cool job it does seem like There's a cool a lot job of chemistry you have to keep in mind too actually my oh i can my imagine father uh is super into art as jared knows but our listeners probably don't know this he actually studied 
at the Academy of Fine Arts in Berlin in the uh, late late sixties, early seventies, somewhere around there. If you've ever seen, he loves art. Our studio when uh, the Blue Azul Blue Azul Moose Studios and Chad's place when we're together recording that Jimi Hendrix picture in between us. Uh, he um, he painted that too. Mm-hmm. And that's just like a rough draft as well. That's not yeah. even the, the top one, I don't think. But uh, anyways, the whole reason why I mentioned that is uh, he was telling me that he thought about going into that line of business, but he said there is so much you have to know about mm. restoration and chemistry, and yeah. uh, it's really difficult. Uh, so it's impressive that there are some of these young people doing it. Sounds like you had quite an informative time, Jared, which is always great. You know, we love to share the things we learn and hopefully can teach our listeners something new. So I think that's really great. I will tell you, Jared, um, I have been in a mass hysteria of grading final exams. <laughs> um, just to show you, now, just, just to give you, you uh, and our listeners on YouTube a, a glimpse into my life in China. This is, I'm not going to show you the front because I don't want anyone to see the secret answers. But this is a stack of just one oh, class. Geez. One class. Sorry for our listeners not on YouTube, but it's a giant stack of papers. <laughs> Picture um, in Chad's hand a giant stack of papers. <laughs> just huge stack of papers. This is one class. I finished grading that one. I finished grading that one yesterday. I have two more classes to go. So I have roughly about 80 more final exams to grade. So um, let me ask you this. Are you yeah? procrastinating mm-hmm. or is it just a ridiculous amount of papers? Like even if you just started right away, is it still just a ridiculous amount kind of thing? Or well, are you one, waiting it's a ridiculous the amount. Two, the, no, no, no. The papers aren't due until the, the final exam period for the students is another four or five days. But I think to turn in the grades, the teachers have another four or five days on top of that. My goal is to turn these in um, well before the deadline. Um, Although I am curious, I have one student that wasn't able to make the final uh, exam due to health reasons, and I'm curious to see how that will work. Because believe it or not, I thought I would have to be there to proctor and administer the final exam. It turns out there's actually an administrator at our university that handles all of that. Not only does so he handle So you didn't have to be that, present for any of them. I didn't. I just so had you've to just pick been, up the exam. So you've just kind of been off for the past couple days then? Well, f- finishing grades, yes. Oh, I guess yeah, you're grading. Yeah. Double-checking everything. That's um, kind of nice. And I will tell you, it, it has been. Um, and... Every day, I've spent about six hours, six to oh, seven hours no. uh, going over these final exams. Why does it take so yeah. long, though? Because is it just because there's so many? Because, or, because it's... There's, uh, there's a lot of them. I want to make sure I read everything. Uh, I read okay. most of these exams at least twice. I guess my... my not confusion, but I, I, my question is, on, on average, how long do you mm-hmm. think it takes to grade one exam? One? Mm-hmm. If they get all the answers right, it takes two to five minutes. If they mm. are unclear about their answers, I have to kind of make a judgment call of, okay, what do they get out of this answer that I yeah. can give them credit you give, for? You like partial credit missing. and stuff. Right, right. And I, I will say this. I'm, I might be a bit more lenient than my counterparts mm. on some I of this. Like are. I had a few students. Uh, yeah, I had, I had a few uh, students on a true and false section actually write that it was false, but then they basically wrote essentially the same thing as the statement was. So I think most teachers, since they selected the incorrect answer, but gave the correct judgment, they might not count it at all because they, you know, would disqualify it because they Mm -hmm. crossed off the answer. Right. But I gave them partial credit for it. Okay. Um, We'll see if I get fired because uh, I was uh, giving students partial credit when I should have been more strict. Then I guess do I you, guess we'll know, but I don't think so. Are are do you uh, like? Is it like a personality thing that prevents you from being that strict? What? what why is it? Why are you doing this? Well, are are you scared try, to see I people just try fail? To give my, well, I'm not scared to see people fail, and even if I graded the exams a bit more strict, um, it's not like it would. Well, it's see, not like problem, people are on the line of failing or not like that. 
No, 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 no. Um, the other thing is, too, is that a lot of these questions, I mean, yes, there is a right and a wrong answer, but most of the, the actually, the way every question is, there's no multiple choice. So for these, they're all open-ended questions, more mm-hmm. or less. I mean, some right. of them have different process or whatever, um, and I can't really get into the details of that, but the fact that they're open-ended means that students can get certain things right and miss certain things. Mm-hmm. So it's really up to the teacher's interpretation. Sure. Um, and so I think for me, I try to really give my students the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, if they don't get everything that I'm looking for, then obviously they don't get full credit. But if they get the majority of it, I try to give them credit where credit is due. Um, so, and I would, I would like to also think that my Chinese counterparts also do that. But, um, I think with my students, I also tried to encourage them to use their own words and not just spit out the definition from the textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, so that may have also caused this. I'm not really sure, um, but we'll, we'll find out. We'll see. I, I would be very curious to see how my counterparts, I have two other teachers teaching the same course, how they grade these. Um, I'd be very yeah. curious to see. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that'll, be, that'll be interesting. Um, one more thing that I did this weekend. I... Um, Close to the DIA was a children's sort of uh, place center of some sort, and I donated a bunch of old clothes that I have. And uh, oh, nice. you'll, you'll love this. <laughs> As I was donating them, um, so many times I would be asked, uh, oh, who's the, or not as I was donating them, as I was getting them together, oh, where'd this shirt come from? Mm-hmm. Where'd this shirt come from? Where'd these pants oh, come they from? Were mine. Dude, everything was, not everything was yours. Not everything was yours, but. It was ridiculous how many a things. A lot of a lot of the button down shirts I've I've grown out of. Um, mm. But it was I was like I cannot believe how many of your clothes I have. But mm. that is another great uh, thing to do if you're trying to think of what to do on a weekend and not spend money. You could do the exact opposite and give stuff away. It, that was a great. Uh, That's true. Great way to spend a weekend it always too. Feels good to give back. Yeah, and it feels good to clean out my closet. I have so much more space of stuff that's just been un- not worn for, for years, it feels like. And um, it's been great. So I uh, highly recommend it to do that. Um, and then a guy came I in as I was donating a few... I hope you, didn't, uh, I hope you few... didn't donate the Jimmy Hendrix shirt and the Woodstock no, shirt. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. No, oh, no, no, good. No, no, okay. No, no. Um, okay. And then a, as I was donating Ooh. a few, like a few <laughs> maybe grocery size bag, like paper grocery bags of of clothes this guy came in with bicycles clothes and toys right behind me and i'm like oh come on man at least wait like 10 minutes until i leave making me look bad making me look bad (laughs) you know what here's the keys to my car too i'm walking home right yeah here's my address here are the keys to my house yes so just let some of the kids sleep stay over (laughs) yeah that's right i'll stay somewhere else um all right speaking of which <laughs> do you, you want to um spread a little love i do want to spread a little love and a few episodes back if our listeners who really pay attention may recall that i said that i was going to try to stick to one shout out per episode today will be a bit different because i have one shout out that's a touching story but before i get to that i just want to give a shout out to everybody in australia right now down under mm-hmm. that has been mm-hmm. struggling with these wildfires um, I believe the I believe there's been about twelve or fourteen people that have lost their lives. People have lost their homes, lost everything. So uh, we want to send everybody uh, a lot of love, good vibes, and um, hope that everything will be better soon in Australia. Uh, there have also been tons of wildlife that has been completely wiped out because of these fires, um, and it's really a tragedy. So uh, we really hope that everybody there um, is all right and can. Uh, hopefully eventually go back to a normal life soon. So that's my first shout out. My second shout out today goes out to two people. Well, actually a lot of people, I guess. But the two main people are Masato Nakamura from Japan and uh, Michigan State basketball coach Tom Izzo. This is a really heartwarming Mm. story, Jared. Here we go. So Masato Nakamura (laughs) uh, is a student that was studying, I believe, in Okinawa, Japan and decided that he wanted to become a basketball coach. You know, Jared, if you want to become a basketball coach, there is no better country in the world to go to than the United States of America. Uh, I would we got agree ballers with that, yeah. on deck in the U.S. <laughs> and he was actually first, uh, Masago Nakamura's uh, journey took him to Chicago. Uh, and he uh, was able to observe and learn about basketball through the um, 
I believe, University of Chicago basketball team. But, you know, if you really want to learn from the GOAT, there's one of maybe three or four schools I would consider, and MSU is definitely on the top of that list. I'm not saying that just because I'm an MSU alumni and I love Tom no, Izzo, but I'm saying that because saying he that is a because... Hall of Fame coach. <laughs> Hall of Fame coach. Uh, he has uh, won the uh, Spartans a national championship. He's been their head coach for, I believe, 24 or 25 years. Really? Uh, wow. And he's an all-around Solid guy. run. Guy. Yes. Yeah. And so anyway, so the story goes like this, Jared. Masato Nakamura was waiting outside of the Breslin Center, which is the uh, where the basketball team practices. That's also where Tom Izzo has his office. And uh, what's interesting is he was waiting outside the Breslin Center for about five hours out in the cold, and a, a staffer at the Breslin Center saw him out there and uh, let uh, Coach Izzo know uh, that there was a, a student from Japan waiting outside and wanted to meet him. And uh, so... And it says here, so after uh, Nakamura's vigil, meaning standing outside for five hours outside of the Breslin Center on Wednesday, a Michigan State staff member alerted Izzo to the presence of the young Japanese man who spoke limited English but wanted to come inside and learn about basketball. Mr. Izzo, Tom there's a young Izzo Japanese said, man Bring him in. waiting for you. <laughs> right. Uh, Nakamura was invited to watch the Spartans practice. Afterwards, he posed some of his uh, basketball questions to Izzo and found a willing audience. Uh, hmm. Then he was invited to a subsequent film session with members of the coaching staff. The next day, he went back for more film, this time with Michigan State's entire basketball staff. Then he was at the team's pregame shoot-around as it made final preparations for that night's game. Uh, Nakamura, who is a college student from Okinawa, who has said, moved to Chicago last year to live with his aunt and learn about the game of basketball <clears throat> with the hope of one day becoming a coach. Uh so, yeah, uh, so I think this is a really touching story. I think it's awesome that the MSU basketball community has welcomed this young gentleman with such open arms. Uh, yeah. And I think, look, if you want to learn any skill, if you, if you have somebody like Tom Izzo as your mentor, um, I think you're going to do pretty well for yourself in the future. And this so, guy, I mean, shout out this... to Tom. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sorry, yes. I agree. All I was going to say was, what were you like, gonna say? this guy is like, like uh, I also shout out to this guy for like going after his dream. I respect that so hard. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I want to be a coach, but if I want to be a coach, the best place to do it is the U.S. So I'm moving to the U.S. and I'm gonna try to figure out how to be right. a coach. I love that. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Uh, Live your it's dreams. Really, really great. That's right. That's right, people. Live your dreams, and mm-hmm. maybe one day you'll meet Tom Izzo in the process, which would be pretty cool. <laughs> you know what else is pretty cool though, Jared? Our are untranslatable. So I think you know what I time agree. it is. Yes. It's time for that untranslatable owl that sig- signifies our untranslatable phrases are coming up. <clears throat> Sorry. You know, I think it's because it's the morning. I'm all crackly. I haven't this is the first time I've spoken today. <laughs> you didn't do your warm-ups this morning, did you? No, no. I should do my high school How musical. Now, brown cow. <laughs> yellow lemon yellow lemon (laughs) (laughs) seashells by the seashore (laughs) anyways what is your untranslatable for us today jared my first untranslatable is in a language called sinhala it's spoken in sri lanka and it goes orua Paraluna Pita Hondai Kiva Wage, which means like saying the underside is better when the boat capsizes. Mm. Is this like, I feel like there's a lot of ways you can go with this one. Mm. Um, is this like looking at the, the positive from a negative situation? I'll give that Ooh, to you. All yeah. right. When a person tries to see the bright Silver side of lining. a bad situation, yeah. Right, okay. But that person's right. usually just kind of annoying, right? Where it's like, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like true. the person where it's like, oh, no, we got a flat tire and rolled off the road. But then, you know, it's like the sort of Twitter hashtag, but did you die kind of thing. <laughs> right. Where it's like, no one asked true. you. Okay? Very true. This is still terrible. Right. True. Well, Jared, my I have two Chinese ones for you today. My first one is... Um, ben Yao Xianfei, and that means the clumsy bird must fly first. Is it like 
it was like the the idiot is the guinea pig of the, of the situation. It's like let the dumb person um, t- be the take the take the first risk. N- not quite. I think this one is actually used more as like a term of reassurance. Okay, say it's give me the literal translation again then. I took it a dark. The clumsy um, bird must fly first. Oh, oh, where it's like um where it's it's like for in order for everyone else, it's like we're all behind you, so like we're not all gonna go, go until you you can go too. It's like we're gonna make sure you can do it before everyone else goes, kind of thing. We're on your side. We got your back. No kind, one kind of. Kind of. You're you're close. Uh what it what it means is basically that you so say say we're taking my English teaching methodology final exam, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I taught the course, in theory, I should be able to ace the test no problem, right? But for you, you would actually have to study for it. So I would say to you, don't worry, Jared, the clumsy bird must fly first. It basically means that um, you may take more time to do something than someone else, but you still can do it. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I got you. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it's like, yeah, you're like, you got to start somewhere and, and you're going to start exactly. clumsily. Okay. Right. My next one is Finnish, and it's Hete Ailu Lakia. Emergency does not read the law. So this is like a justification to bend the rules. Yeah, but we, yes, for sure. Good job. But we have a, um, it's sort of, it's, I'd say less of an untranslatable, but it's definitely like a saying. But it's but it but it's a little more literal. That's why I'm. It's hard for me Highway to call it a to full. Highway to the danger zone. <laughs> no, it's a little bit more real. <laughs> it's something that. Um, <laughs> no, it's like. <laughs> I just kind of like, wanted to say that. <laughs> well, clearly, I enjoyed it, so thank you. Uh, no, it's like um, where it's like, Chad, are you sure you want to like? Do that this way, it's like, but you're like, there is no other way, but there's another time you would say that. Another way of saying there is no me. other way. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. Desperate yeah. times call for desperate measures. Emergency does not read the law. One, Jared. Right. It doesn't. You better believe it doesn't. <laughs> uh, all right. I think you're going to get this one, Jared. Um, let's see here. Do we knew... Uh, Tanqin, which means playing a lute to a cow. This is also Chinese. Yes, yes. Playing Sorry, a lute to a, to a cow. And that's like a flute. A lute is a flute. A lute is not a flute. A lute is a stringed instrument, my man. Uh, okay. Playing a lute to a cow. You think I'm going to get this? Mm-hmm. Easy as one, two, three. No, no, no. Playing it. Do you think a cow would appreciate the nuances and subtleties? Oh, of oh, it's like it's like talking to a wall. Yeah, or or okay. something falls upon deaf ears. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, okay. The way we would say, it. but yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason it's, why I think I struggled with that is because there's a popular uh, clip on that on the twitters of a guy playing saxophone. Mm-hmm. On this, uh, uh, on the side of a of like a pasture, and a bunch of cows um, walk up to him and listen to him play saxophone. Oh, I love that video. And so I think I, in my head I was like, "Whoa, you, you mean you're going to get their attention, and they're all going to walk up to you?" Isn't that what happens when you play instruments to cows? <laughs> but I don't think that's. Normal. I mean, look, I would gladly take <laughs> a, a guitar into a field and test that theory out without a doubt, a hundred percent. Well, speaking of taking a guitar into fields, you still have to take your guitar into the classroom. Classes are over for the semester. My oh, that's dude, true. So not that's happening. true. That's true. Wait, so are you officially um, not, are, we, are you officially on summer vacation right now? Winter vac winter vacation. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a dumb um, question. Winter vacation right now? Not yet. Not yet. Because, because I still have. Because I. Uh, because I still have those finals to, to grade. So I'm, I'm not officially done until my grades are submitted, and then I'm done. Because um, 
I, we just had our New Year, but they're in, in the United States. But Chinese New Year is in February. But the vacation starts in, mm-hmm. I guess, January then, based off of what's yes. it's January right now. Yes. Jeez. I think it officially starts January 16th here. And, and then you have six weeks. Right. What, what, what do, what do weeks, people, yeah. what, do stu- what do students usually do? Uh, like, like what, what, are, what are some usual family, are there like usual family trips that they take or like, oh. I think most of them tend to just go home. At least college students tend to go home oh, right, with their families and spend, spend the time when they're at home. I mean, just like okay. we do in the States for the most part. Yeah. 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 I, didn't, I didn't know if they're like, like popular Chinese destinations, you know, for, for these sort of holidays. Like people don't go to Florida so a lot, maybe right, here or right. up north. I, I don't think so because in China, family is incredibly important in their right. culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so unless you can go with the whole family somewhere... Uh, and that could be expensive because when I say the whole family, I mean grandparents. your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles. It right. could be a very big trip. Um, yeah. And although traveling in China isn't that expensive, I think with that many people, it would it would get a little costly. That's exhausting. For sure. With all those people yeah. around? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, and traveling around, <clears throat> around this time is also super chaotic, Jared. I went to... Um, look for tickets to come back after my teaching conference in Harbin in mm-hmm. January and uh, in the middle of January. And for five days straight, all the train tickets are sold out. Every wow. single train I looked at, they were all sold out. At least the direct train from um, Beijing to Jinan were sold out. So I could I, take I guess... two indirect trains, but that would take about six to seven hours, which it usually takes me an hour 45. I can imagine anything going in and out of those big cities like Shanghai, Be- Beijing, whatever the other big cities are, are just going to be like a, almost impossible too. Because like everyone's either trying to get in or out at this time. Like maybe it would be easier for going Correct. between like two like smaller cities, but if you're going mm-hmm. in and out of a big one, I can imagine that being a disaster. I think I think actually there's more Chinese families going out of the big cities because mm. not. Entire families usually live in the big cities. It's people going back home to the family. So people work or go to school in the bigger areas and go home. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. So um, you finished your first semester or you're finishing your first semester. Mm -hmm. I get it. You're not done, but you're done teaching. Almost. Uh, (laughs) I can can see the finish line, Jared. I can see the line. You're done interacting with the the students. And that's what what I'm really uh, interested in. Um, Okay. So, um, first of all, one more time, just for, for me and for the listeners, what did you teach this semester? So, yeah, this semester I was teaching uh, English teaching methodology and uh, freshman oral English or spoken English. And for English teaching methodology, I was teaching um, methods, approaches, uh, things like this to teaching. So, it was all about how to be an English teacher. We talked about the different skills and how to teach them, so speaking, listening, reading, writing, pronunciation, and grammar. Uh, And it was a lot of fun for me to take my own experience as a teacher and kind of, uh, you know, add that into the class, kind of sprinkle in some fun activities and games that I've used in the past. Uh, And I I think it's safe to say that the students and I, we had a lot of fun. I think we learned a lot. I learned a lot from them. Uh, I learned a lot about Chinese culture from my students, which was super awesome and really exciting and fun. Um, but there was a learning curve there, Jared. That's for sure. Um, wow, you! I had a question about something, but I didn't want to cut you off, and then I forgot what it was. That's um, how useless my brain is. Um, it's because it's in the morning, Jared. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll I remember what I was going to say. I, was, I remember what I was going to say. Is this because before you've taught, I, I assume you, you, in all your classes, all the times you've taught before have been more focused on actually speaking the language. Did you actually get correct. to use more of your, like, um, it seems like you also got to use, correct me if I'm wrong, seems like you also got to use more mm-hmm. of sort of your, your book learnings from your grad school, too, and actually some, some of those words that Absolutely. you, you know, a lot of times people, I, I, in my experience with my friends and people, anecdotal experience at least, you always hear people talking about how mm-hmm. rarely they actually use their um, college education, like those, the college book learnings. in yeah, yeah. But it seems like mm. you're actually pulling out terms and teaching those terms that were taught to you to other students directly. 
If I had a dollar for every time I mentioned in class, when I was in grad school, we talked about <laughs> XYZ, um, I would probably have more than $10. So, so that's pretty good. That's more than me. Uh, yeah. There, there was a lot of uh, really useful stuff that I was able to take from grad school. And I think the thing that, um, that my professors in graduate school did a great job doing was applying theory and practice and showing us how a lot of these things work. And mm-hmm. so I try to do that with my course as well. Um, I always try to give numerous examples, some crazy and ridiculous examples to wake up some of my students who looked like they were falling asleep. Uh, and my goal for every lesson in my English teaching methodology class, which um, I know I accomplished, was giving them at least two activities that they could use in their teaching because this semester it was a junior level class and well, not this semester, but the spring semester, they will actually have to do their student teaching. They do that in their junior year. So mm. I was hoping to give them a simultaneously of, while they're taking your class. Like that's one of the things is the the teaching and the other. No, and no, no, late. no, no. They teach next semester, so they take a methodology class. Oh, the next oh, semester, what you're they saying is should in theory be applying the methodology they're, to the they're new stuff. that they're very close to being in the real world, like being in it is what you're saying. Correct. Oh, that's Correct. that's cool though that you're like that close mm-hmm. to them being like, all right, now you're off, go do it. That's, you can you can impart some I of the last bits sure of wisdom. I gave them right, and that's why I really try to give them some fun games and activities to use in their language teaching. Um, so yeah, now, so that, that was really great. It, it must be rewarding to be uh, teaching in comparison to teaching the language and seeing um, seeing maybe your students actually get better at the language it's it seems like a different sort of rewarding to to be like like a like a like a parent watching a like a parent watching a student go off to like live on their own you're like all right i've given you your wisdom now take this wisdom and go pass this wisdom on to other students you know um, it seems like it could activate almost a different uh, pride rece- receptor in in you, That's rather true, than being right. like, because um, it's like I, I, like you're you're passing on knowledge to pass on to other people. When when uh, in, in other situations, it's like, oh, this person's just getting better at the la- at the language. But it's like, well, you know, even without me, they probably still have, would have gotten better at the language. I was going to say the know. same thing. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I just happen to yeah. be the person well, doing it to them. <laughs> And the, the other thing is, too, is that I think uh, I've created a decent rapport with my students. And I really, I told them all before we had our last class, when you're teaching next semester, if you have questions or concerns or anything, please reach out to me and I'm happy to help you. Uh, and I hope some yeah. students actually take me up on that. Because I never when take I say those kinds that. of things to my students, I mean it. Um, not yeah. all teachers do, but I definitely mean it. Um, but I, I will tell you, though, Jared, I mentioned that there was, there was quite a bit of a learning curve. Uh, coming here to China and teaching. Uh, and there are a few reasons for that. Number one, I have never taught such large classes. My smallest class had 36 students. My largest class had 63 students. Mm. So that on its own as an environment uh, to teach in causes some some problems to the way that I've taught in other places, right? In the Czech Republic, I think my largest class had 17 or 18 students. Oh, wow. So it was completely different. In the United States, I had even smaller classes. I had a few classes where I only had three or four students. Um, so it was completely different, uh, which was really great. Uh, when you have those really, really small classes, it's very easy to really get to know your students. Uh, yeah. and give them a lot more individualized instruction, which can also be really nice. Um, so I, I don't like the idea of a one-size-fits-all model for teaching. But when your classes are that large, you kind of have to adopt one of those a little bit. Um, and obviously I tweak and change things. Um, but another thing that was very difficult was, um, getting my students to participate like voluntarily. They just don't really do that here in China. You have to really just pick out a student, call on them. Or what I like to do that a colleague of mine taught me was you ask a student to give you, give you something, a color, a physical feature, something like long hair or short hair, um, glasses or no glasses, uh, dark hair, light hair, whatever, uh, 
and then you pick a student based on that. So mm-hmm. if you were my student, Jared, I would say, um, <clears throat> give me give me a color of a shirt. And then Jared would say purple. And I would go, okay. And I look around and I find a student wearing purple. And I say, oh, and I would usually try to be like, that's kind of I'd a kind bummer. Of from and I'd be like, hmm. That's kind of a bummer to me. Cause I that's, think the students it's, kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I'm sure they enjoy it. It just seems so childish to me, you know, where it's like just I, like it's sad that you have to resort to that is what I'm saying. But I, I mean, I understand it's a cultural thing. It's what just would like, the alternative be, though? I don't know. You're just picking people, but then it's and, just... And I do that, too, but right. that's also kind of boring. Yeah. You know? and, and when you have students pick, it's more student-centered. And my favorite thing that most students would do is they would, uh, you know, I'd say, oh, give me a color. And then they would look right at the person sitting next to them, and they'd be like, <laughs> black. You know, if they have like a, you know, Jared's wearing a black uh, sweater, I'm wearing a black hoodie right now, they'd be like black. And if they both were wearing black, I would call on the student that looked at their neighbor to mm. try to get their neighbor. And I'd be like, oh, perfect, you're wearing black. How about you tell me what you think? <laughs> um, so it backfired a couple times. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Because I've always hated people who volunteer other people. It's like, it's like all right, if yeah, you're going to yeah, do that, like, I'm going to pick you, not the yeah. person you're volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so that was difficult. Uh, and there's another aspect here of, of Chinese culture that comes to play as well. Uh, in China, it's very important to not be a braggart, not be... You don't want to show off in China. In China, it's really, I think, a very important aspect of Chinese culture is being humble. Um, and if, if you always have your hand up and you're like, oh, I know, I know, I know, uh, it's not the most humble uh, way to do things. And, and I was talking to a professor of mine and he, he said, call on your students. They know the answers. They aren't raising their hand because they don't know. They just don't want to be that guy or girl, which, which in a way I can respect. But I also mm-hmm. try to really tell them, you know, it's, it's okay for you to volunteer. Um, but that still didn't, <laughs> didn't really change that much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, y- yeah. I mean, I guess it helps for them to hear, but you're, you're changing right. like, like culture like you can't change what's like like just ingrained in them really um right. culturally and, that's and personality a very important aspect of teaching is being aware of the culture in which you teach uh, very yeah. very important because mm-hmm. there will be different practices and procedures and things when you teach have, um but uh, have you seen um have you seen a shift like, like did you see a shift in your students where maybe if you were to have seen them in a in a more in a, in a class with a traditional chinese teacher like you could see maybe see how they might be loosening up in your classes or um more oh yeah open? they definitely got more comfortable with my teaching style and me as their teacher um and I also, one of my goals was to improve their uh, communicative competence, which basically just means improve their knowledge of English as a language, but also improve how to use it, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, how to apply what they know. And so I will tell you that the majority of my students, I could tell, became a lot more confident with their speaking abilities, uh, at least speaking with me. They weren't as shy. Um, some of them even were occasionally cracking jokes or, you know, I like to use crazy and silly examples when I... When I was teaching that course just because teaching methodology, it's kind of cut and dry and boring in a way. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about how to teach and, and some I mean, of it can called be kind methodology. of scientific. <laughs> right, right. Just, so I try to like, make it This is how you do it. Right. And one, one thing that sticks out in my mind is, uh, I, I forget what I had my students demonstrate, but uh, I have one student who has to be at least 6'4", six, 6'5", six, really tall, and probably upwards of 220 to 240 pounds. Uh, he's Jeez. a big boy. Um, he's in good shape, though. He's not fat. He's a big boy, though. Uh, and so he came up and did a demonstration. I think we were doing different ways to teach vocabulary. That's what it was. We're doing a demonstration on how to teach and model different vocabulary. And so his group decided they were going to work on um, vocabulary in a coffee shop. And so he came up and he did a role play, but he did the whole role play. So he played like three different characters. He played uh, a guy ordering a coffee, a female barista, which he spoke in a very (laughs) high-pitched falsetto voice. (laughs) Just imagine this really, really tall Chinese guy with a deep manly voice talking in this very uh, high-pitched feminine voice. The class was losing it. I was cracking up. Everybody was uh, had a great time. So it's memories like that that really make me and um, the three characters. That's fondly. impressive. Right. It was really quite something. <laughs> um, really, it really was. Um, but yeah, and but the other issue too with classes as large as they were 
it's hard for me to get to know all my students. I'm going to be honest with you, Jared. I don't know all their names mm-hmm. um, because you but, know I'd have to memorize over 100 and I think 60 names or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you feel bad, but at the same time you have to like be realistic too. It's like right. Um, well, so what do you, what do you do? How do you, how do you handle that as far as like calling on people or? Uh, like it, it, when you're in the classroom and you're like, oh, I, I need to call on this person or, or you just point at them because like you, because I like, I don't remember uh, their name. I, I mean, I won't point like this with like a typical Western way we point. Right, right, I usually right. do uh, yeah. like a palm up like this and oh, do you know? And I would kind of go like that and mm-hmm. make eye contact. Eye contact is not, key. You don't have like a seating chart or anything or a seating arrangement. So you... I ha- well, see what I, sh- what I should have done was I have a, a roster on an Excel spreadsheet I should have just had that, and I think I'm going to try that next semester, is have the roster with me, and I think then I might be able to learn all my students' names. Maybe. Mm. Mm. Maybe. Okay. Is it difficult? And um, it, well, I was, Is it difficult, like, like learning, um, like, Chinese names? Or, or, or even, or even when you're in the Czech Republic... It's difficult pronouncing them. Even when you're in the Czech Republic, like learning their names, because these are names that uh, us as Americans never uh, encounter, really. Mm -hmm. Well, that aspect of it is difficult. The other aspect, too, is unless they wrote out the pinyin, which is basically like the alphabet, like Mm. Western alphabet, Latin alphabet. Yeah, I couldn't read their names because I can't read Chinese characters. Well, yeah, um, of course. But. And yeah, I did have a difficulty pronouncing them. And even when they were written in pinyin, I don't have the tones there. Uh, so I don't know if it's a rising tone, a falling tone, a flat tone, or the right. up and down so, tone. So you still can um, probably so, pronounce it wrong. But and, that, and I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I and can imagine that makes laugh. it harder, harder to memorize because it's not like, oh, I recognize this name. You know, like that's kind of harder to do just right. because you haven't right. heard, like these aren't common names to you for the most part. And and some and some of my classes, my students had you know three or four of them had the same first name as well, but sure. I also had that same. The funny thing is in the Czech Republic. Well, one, I was teaching at a school that had mostly boys, mm-hmm. and if I would have said the name Jan or Peter see, or something, really, Pavel Jan Peter. Uh, I'm trying to think of other common Czech names, but basically there are like four or five Czech names that most <laughs> that you see a lot of Czech guys have. I could have just said one of those, and the likelihood of that being one, maybe two or three of my <laughs> students was pretty high. Uh, I can't necessarily do that here in China because I don't know um, all of the names. But and I feel bad because this has been the first time in my teaching career where I haven't known all my students' names. Uh, mm-hmm. Even in the Czech Republic, it took a long time, but I eventually got there. Um, but it was, but you're but, yeah. I mean you were dealing with much more manageable sizes. I mean you have to be sort of realistic True. with your brain capacity here too. And, um, True. you know, don't get, don't be too hard on yourself, but I understand right. why I will you, say you this feel though, bad Jared. as a teacher, like, like not right. knowing students seems weird. Right. I will say this though, Jared, um, that, uh, the students, whenever I took the time after class to explain something or help them with something, they were super appreciative. I helped some students with a speak, uh, speaking or like a speech competition. They actually brought me really, really good, um, cherry cake um oh so, it's like a thank like you students gift here, wow yeah so students here are very uh res- like very appreciative um mm-hmm. if you are willing to help them out they uh they definitely um really appreciate they acknowledge it, it i i never they do and i never did it expecting you know to get some tasty cake out of it now <laughs> right. will i eat the cake you better believe i will <laughs> i totally will but you betcha uh, you know, as a teacher i just try to help out my students whenever I can. And uh, I think some, some of my Chinese counterparts, it's not, it's not their personalities or their fault, but they have a much higher teaching load than I do, and they just simply don't right. have the time. And I realize that, and so I try to really make more time for my students because I think based on my, my agreement with the university, I teach a total of, I think, like 12 to 14 contact hours. I think most of my Chinese counterparts are teaching about 22, maybe even to 25 contact hours. Mm. Um, but the reason why is because I'm doing other stuff outside of my uh, right, duties and responsibilities the at the university. Right. Um, right. All right. So, Chad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have a, a, a confession to make. I do have some questions. 
<laughs> yes. All right. Good. I knew you did. I knew uh, you not did. That I, not that we have been having a lovely conversation, but I do have some questions. <laughs> good. Um, Let's hear them. How, I'm excited. Um, how have your, how has it been with your coworkers? Have you established any relationships there? Um, mm-hmm. Do you ha- have interactions with them, eat lunch with them after work, outside of work? Are you I, so, hungry for that because you don't have it? I, I have a couple of relationships with a few very good colleagues of mine that... See, the issue is, is my university is a fairly large university, uh, and I believe we're number two in, uh, in Jinan and even the Shandong province, um, which is pretty cool to be, you know, numero dos. Um, uh, yeah, it's cool to be number two. Here. It's cool to be number one, I mean, too. number one would be better, but, you know... I mean, where's Ricky Bobby? If you ain't first, you're last, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I'm happy Why are you even them. bothering, Chad? You're, you're a loser. Right. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. But my colleagues are fantastic. The issue, though, is because we are a large university, we actually have two campuses. Or two campi? Mm. I don't know the plural for campus. Uh, Camp two you. campuses, I believe, is how you say it. Um, but, anyway, so... I really only interact with my colleagues that are on the West Campus or the New Campus, which is where I live and where I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I have a few colleagues that I uh, see regularly, and we always take a break uh, in between classes in the teacher's lounge. And I always have some really great conversations with them. I have one colleague that is, she also does professional translating. So she's translated a few novels from English into Chinese. Uh, oh, I've that's helped cool. her with some of the translations, and it's been fun to talk to her about Oh, the that's books. awesome. Um, yeah, I have another colleague that actually, she has her PhD in like uh, religion and aesthetics or, or something really interesting like that. So she always asks me really interesting questions about religion and stuff like that. In this the is United great. States. Are these people, yeah. uh, so uh, are they closer cool. to to your age? Because that's the one thing I remember about the Czech Older. Republic where it's like you said Older. there are lovely people, but you know, a lot of them had families and... and uh, the people older. that would be close to my age would be the graduate students. Most of my colleagues are probably in their late 30s to anywhere to in their okay. 50s. Yeah. Okay. Um, most of them, I think, are about 10 to 12 years older than me, somewhere around there. Um, but they're great. The majority of my colleagues are women. Uh, I've met a few male uh, teachers. But uh, most of the English, not all, but most of the English department to me seems to be um, female, at least in terms of the Chinese teachers. There are some Western uh, or, or foreign teachers, uh, non-Chinese national uh, teachers, but they all live downtown. So I mm. really don't interact with them at all, which is a shame because they're all wonderful people. I've met most of them. They're super nice, but I'm kind of isolated here where I live. I mean, I'm a 40-minute bus ride or cab ride away. Mm. Um, and to me, just I, I would love to <clears throat> spend the time with them, but... By the time I got done teaching and grading and everything, if I were to go all yeah. the way to spend some time with them and then come all the way back, it's just not super feasible. Um, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. I get that. That's good. I'm glad. I didn't realize you um, had uh, good relationships with your coworkers just because I, I haven't mm-hmm. heard about it. So that's good to hear that. Um, and before you get to your next question, uh, there's mm-hmm. one last thing I'd like to say. With my colleagues, I also uh, sponsored them and gave them some funding to come to a teaching seminar with me in Beijing, which was oh, awesome. What's that mean? It was really what's cool that mean? to have What do you mean there. you gave them funding? It means the embassy uh, provided, uh, the embassy reimbursed them for their travel cost and their accommodation uh, to and come you can, to uh, a so workshop you can, for teachers. As like a, what, whatever sort of expat you are, you can do that? What is well, that? I don't even understand what that means. Because oh. I'm, so that, because I'm an English language fellow, the embassy gives us a certain amount of money to um, help our colleagues out for oh. professional development purposes. Oh, that's cool. So it was cool. really cool to be able to support them, yeah, and uh, and give back. Wow. Uh, and I'm hoping to do that again next semester as well. That's sort of like a big responsibility. I mean... Yeah, it is. Uh, and I had to make sure I had all my sh- ducks in a row. Otherwise, all that money was coming out of my pocket. Right. Uh, so I and, and because sure I like all my ducks in a row. I feel like it, it, it's irresponsible not to give the money away to someone if you have the ability to do something right. like that. But all at the same time, you know, you got to make sure you're do, giving it to the right people and all that stuff. And you know, and you're right. wow, that's cool. You got to you get a lot of perks out of this thing. I really do. It's a this great a, job. I wish I could deal. do this job forever, Jared. I really, really <laughs> do. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good deal. Other than being a podcaster with you, I think those two would <laughs> be a happy camper. Well, clearly, we can do both. So. Right. 
Um, Give me some more of these questions, though. These are great questions. Give me. A I couple. don't have a lot. I don't have a lot. Is um, but these are just things that. Uh, uh, so, um, celebrity teacher in Czech Republic, you are a bit of a celebrity teacher. You know, um, <laughs> people little, would like. Yeah. People would ask you to come to their classes or to their schools, almost to just show you off as the as the token American and uh, right. spin you around so they could look at you. Um, do you get a lot of that in, um, in China too? I mean, I, I know that obviously part of your role is um, to give those speeches, but that's less celebrity and more right. actually, you know, providing content that's more professional. and information. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, and I, think, and I think in the Czech Republic, it was also for that as well, but I think because... But uh, also, I mean, is the different. fact that you're is the fact that you're, you know, the shiny new American help with your pre presentations? You know, does being that celebrity teacher help get so many right. as many people as you do Good to question. these presentations that you're giving? I'll, I'll put it this way, Jared. At my university, I don't really feel like a celebrity teacher the same way I did at the Czech Republic in the Czech Republic, mm -hmm. just because um I think in the Czech Republic, I was a bit more rare because I was one of the few, I was actually the, now that I think about it, I was the only male language teacher and I was younger and close in age to some of my students. Um, so that in itself also made me a bit more of like a, a unicorn, as they may say. Whereas mm -hmm. here in China, we have, I think, about 12 to 15 foreign teachers. Um, okay. Not all from the US, but from, from other places. I will say this though, most of them are over 45. And I have been told by many of my colleagues, it's so great to have a younger uh, American teacher. It's no disrespect to my colleagues, but I think the students, the students view you a little differently when you're younger. And I've even heard that from my American colleagues yeah. that are older saying, it's so great to have someone young and so full of energy here teaching. Well, they probably open um, up a little bit this, more Jared. because yes. naturally as an older person, um, they're gonna, it's going to be harder to break that sort of level of respect that Chinese students naturally have when, when they're older. True. Very, very true. Uh, the other thing that I've heard as well, though, uh, from my colleagues um, is that um, they, I, I don't know what they heard about me before I came here, but they said, uh, we're really excited to learn about your expertise in uh, teaching methodology and uh, different approaches and ways to teach. So I don't know what they were told about my teaching before I came here, but um, but, but it's been yeah. nice to hear that. Um, it's been nice to hear that. Uh, that yeah, I mean. So yeah, but but you, but I you do have feel it. like a celebrity I mean, though. You're not. You're not. Right. Uh, yeah, I do. Ill-equipped to to no do to provide chicken. that. I've been doing this a little bit. Yeah. Right. I will say this though, Jared. I do feel a bit like a celebrity when we do our teaching workshops through the embassy. Because I'm up there and there are anywhere from 30 to over 100 people watching me. Yeah. So then I feel a bit more like a celebrity. I mean, a lot yeah, of times I mean, if we're at the embassy in Beijing, I have a microphone in my hand as well. Uh, microphones so, yeah. are powerful. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's, that are. makes sense though. That, but that's just they also are. comes from the nature of you standing on stage and everyone staring at you and listening to you. True. Um, one more thing. What, what is um, mm. some, some lessons you've learned as far as presenting goes? Whether it be you know, ways to make your travel easier or even just like tips mm -hmm. that you have that you now can use for the future. It's like now that I've done this, I know every time make sure I check my zipper or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Uh, well, <laughs> which you should do. <laughs> I, I always try to make I, I mean, I do this with everything in life. And Jared's probably going to roll my eyes, roll his eyes when he hears this. <laughs> but uh, I always try to get to places early. The last thing you want oh, to no, do is I start a presentation that. flustered. I agree with that 100%. I know you know that, but you know I probably get places too early. Oh, uh, uh, well, like no, 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 no. I, I'm together. with you on that. I, I think I'm, I roll my eyes if you're talking about getting to an airport. I'd be, I'd be with you on that, on stuff like this. Like I, I'm the kind of person that'll get to a, to a, a interview for a job like 45 minutes early and then just wait in my car and right, leave and then right. and get there like five minutes early, you know, but I'll like sit in the car for 40 right. minutes and wait. I'll do that sure. kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I would do that too. Um, but in terms of lessons learned, uh, I think it's really important to emphasize on the practical and the applications of what you're doing in your workshops and your presentations because mm -hmm. one, a theoretical workshop is going to bore your participants, excuse me, bore your participants to sleep, number one. Number two, um, that's not why they're there. They're not graduate students. They're not taking a test. They need practical 
things that they can apply in their teaching the moment they finish your workshop. So I always try to keep that in mind whenever I'm coming up with a presentation um, and stuff like that. Um, I will say that first-time run-throughs are always a little bit rocky, uh, so it's always good to practice it on a smaller audience if you can, and I think that goes with any presentation or workshop you give. Um, but th- otherwise, I think be patient, be a good listener, and be receptive to your audience would be the things that I think I've learned. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I feel like um, I've even noticed you as someone that talks to you through this pod all the time, be, become a, a better public speaker, uh, you know, since I, like, I've noticed some improvements, you know, but it's just because you naturally are, are, for, are, are working at it. And um, it's a skill that, right. you know, anyone, no matter what your line of work could use, so... I'm just curious, oh, honestly, a little bit for myself, too, because I have to give presentations sometimes, too, and I'm always looking at ways to improve. Um, all right. Well, I look forward to the next semester. Um, I'm glad you're loving it. I'm glad it's going well. Honestly, we we really only talked about teaching. I'm glad to, that you only really got sick once, like, um, knock yep. on wood. Me, too. But, like, <laughs> Me uh, <too>. <laughs> it, like it, <laughs> as far as your health-wise goes, it seems like it, it went as well as it could go. And um, besides for the fact that it took forever for you to get Wi-Fi and stuff, it seemed like it went pretty swimmingly. Right. And uh, it, it and um, um, my hopes for you are some sort of language improvement. And, yeah, me too. Um, I want to hear more about like nightlife if possible. I want you in in, in your area okay. get out more we, somehow. We can do that. I know it's hard in Jinan. We'll see. Or, or, we'll see or, or not even nightlife. That. Not even nightlife. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Like ex- exploring, just exploring more of Jinan. You know, you said you're going to get a bicycle and you know bike around more, see more of the outskirts, maybe, or more of the inskirts, whatever it might might be. be fun, yeah. <laughs> Some type of skirts. <laughs> yeah. Skirt on over somewhere. Let me see it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's been a great semester. I have to really thank all of my students and my colleagues. Um, there have been some times when it definitely wasn't easy. It was difficult managing, like, grading all the homework assignments as well with that many students. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I think I'll change if I have such large classes is do more in-class work uh, and demonstrations and stuff rather than give homework. Uh, and I think my students will appreciate that as well. Oh, it's for sure. It's been a great sure. semester. Uh, and if any of you have any other questions and want more information about my first semester in China and some of my thoughts, uh, get at us at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com or untranslatable1 on Twitter or yes. untranslatablepodcast on Instagram. Another place where you can find some amazing stuff, though, is on our YouTube channel, Untranslatable, and check out our Song of the Pod playlist, which leads us to our Song of the Pod today, which is uh, what's the title and who's the artist, Jared? Still, son. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> I feel like you do this just so. Well. <laughs> the song is called "Still Sun" that Chad found. Yet here I am uh, now, about to butcher a man's name because of it. That's uh, why I gave it to you. All right. Well, I'm going to try to say I'll it, then I'm going to ask you to try to say it too, just so we're both butchering this. Okay, that's o- fair. Obangjiar, Obangjiar. I I would say it just about the same way. Abungjayar, maybe I'm not sure. Abungjayar. Either way, mm. it's a it's an awesome awesome song. He is a Nigerian artist, mm-hmm. um, and the, the video is kind of trippy. Like half yeah. of his body is running one way on a treadmill, the other <laughs> yeah. half is running the other way. But yeah, but not it's really like crudely sure cut. It's not it's not like some sort of right. uh, impressive Photoshop work. Right. But what are yeah, your thoughts I, on it, Jared? It, it, how do how do you? F- um, it it was it was an interesting like the melody was interesting like it, it was it wasn't it was a, a, not trippy in the sense that it was like it was trippy in the sense that the way that the beat sort of ju- I don't know jumped around I don't know I'm not musically uh, smart enough to explain it properly I liked it though it was chill like he was kind of it was like a chill singing song. And I, I'm a I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of that um, African beat, you know, like it, a lot of African mm-hmm. songs. I love from, from this region of a very specific, or not very specific, a very uh, noticeable. What's the word I'm looking for? Like um, recognizable as an African beat that I like. Yeah, recognizable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And my sister actually sent me a bunch of uh, songs. She she said she's been getting into 
what does she call it? Afro beat, I think she called it. And she sent me Afro a play. Beat. Yeah. She uh-huh. sent me a playlist that I'll actually send you right now. And um, and she said oh, she's cool. been listening to a lot of this uh, stuff. And I don't have Spotify, so I actually haven't even really been able to give it a proper listen anyway. So you probably actually can give it a better listen than me. But uh, I liked it. Oh, cool. And um, and I and I, I, I and I I'd, I'd want to. I feel like this wouldn't be my favorite song from this person, but I feel like I would really like this person if I could give more of the music a, a listen. You know, like I, I like the vibe, but maybe That's this fair. wouldn't be my favorite song from him. But I but I like right. it enough where I'd be willing to hear more of it and and find yeah. find find out You're what he's right, got though, to the offer. Beat, the beat is interesting. Um, I really enjoy his voice and the melody, uh, and it's a cool song. It'll definitely, I think, put you in a good mood, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I agree. Would you call without that a, a syncopation? Doubt. That what they do to that beat like that syncopation? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, let me give it a quick listen here. Oh, I are you listening so. to it right now? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna listen to it just because I don't want to mess up. Uh, well, yeah, I was say, is that why your face has here. been frozen for the past? <laughs> 10 seconds that's right i've been listening to this song non-stop for the last hour since we've been recording um, no but I, th- I think it is syncopated if i remember correctly i could okay. be wrong but uh yeah it's it's really cool i mean yeah so check it out on our youtube mm-hmm. channel on translatable you podcast uh the song is still sun by abong jayar not sure if we said that name right but check it out. Yeah. speaking of not saying things right uh it's time for my <laughs> chinese word of the pod and it is Xue Xi, uh, sorry, Xue Xi Jingyan. And this means learning experience because this semester was a great learning experience for me. Mm. And I think hopefully a good learning experience for my students as well. Do, do you, um, have you had a moment where you've gone back to think about before, like, like you, like you're all those, all the times you're looking up YouTube videos or all like sort of your pre China fears and, and think like the, some of them were kind of foolish or good thing I was that prepared for something like that. Oh, like, was, do you think back on those was things? Over, I was over prepared and unnecessarily prepared. I was definitely, I came okay. here too paranoid. So standard, about Chad. Stuff. Just that's standard. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, the YouTube videos are interesting, but also now, like, whenever I watch those different YouTubers, I always watch them with a grain of salt because. Well, uh, and, I, and know, I was telling you. Their narrative and. And yeah. I was telling you because I remember a lot of the stuff you were looking at seemed almost it was like, it, it was like on the edge of horror story. And I'm like, well, yeah. You can find mm-hmm. that stuff if you look for that stuff, but like, is it right? Is that actually right. a Great representation, point. or are you just finding the potentials, like learning about all the stuff that could go wrong, and that's all you know? You know, right, right. Not that very it's not true. good to know that very, very stuff, true. but you know, you don't want to work yourself up into a frenzy. Not that you were doing be, that. Yeah, it needs but. to be a, a healthy dosage. Healthy, yeah. healthy dosage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad it's been going well. My Spanish word of the pod is uh, timo, uh, timor, t e m o r, and what is it? Is it a verb? No, maybe no. it is noun. Doesn't it seem like it should be a verb? <laughs> I don't think Probably it is not. though, because it what, means what is it? What's fear. It? It's a noun. It is a noun. Oh, fear. I, yeah, is that a is a noun. Yeah. And um, that's. And why did you pick that, Jared? Well, it was because of what it has asked you. You know, I was thinking about uh, when, when ah, we, I was preparing for okay. this episode, and and I, when I was doing my highlights of all of our time together in Michigan before you left, I, I just thought about um, some of the fear, you know. And I right. and I knew I and I knew that too, you don't have that anymore, so that's why I brought it up. Right, definitely not. I will say this though, Jared. I think I also didn't how, how do I how do I even say this? I didn't um, take into consideration and account all the travels I've had, and I thought this would be a much difficult adjustment than it has been, but mm-hmm. so far it's been pretty smooth really. Uh, but I will say before I came to China, I knew uh, I would have to become not that I was impatient before I left, but I would have to become more patient here just because everything takes longer due to the fact that Right. I live in a very, very big city in comparison to where I was living in the Czech Republic and where I'm from in the United States. I don't speak the language really, uh, and I don't have a ton of contacts here. So uh, it takes a longer time to get basic things done 
mm-hmm. to Summer Guard. Now, now, though, it's nice because I have a lot of different apps on my phone where I can order stuff. So there are a lot of basic conveniences in life that I think here in China are even more convenient than they were in the States. I can order all my groceries. Oh, for sure. In theory, I only need to leave my apartment to teach uh, or yeah. to travel. And that's about it, uh, yeah. which is pretty nice. Um, I mean, I was telling you... Yeah, just thinking, uh, I was telling you in the on the road again on the road again episode in Toronto how behind we are in the U.S. that we're even still using just chips, where like people were telling me at restaurants, you know, just tap your your card, and I was like, no, mine doesn't doesn't do that. <laughs> I gotta right, slide it in. Right. They're like, just tap it, or and I was like, yeah, no, Mm-mm. tap tap tap, roo. So I can imagine. I mean, from all the app connection that you've told me about, how you know, e- even with the language barrier, you, like life can be so much more convenient over there. Oh, absolutely. But you live and die by your smartphone here, so you better mm-hmm. better make sure you bring that that power bank that for sure uh, extra battery, portable external. charger with you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but you know, it's been a great semester, Jared. I have to say, it's been a wonderful learning experience for me. Uh, I hope our listeners have been appreciating the the random stories and tidbits about life in China because I think a lot of people are very curious how it works over here. It is. I will say this though, Jared. I think the uh, the United States media. Uh, it has its own political agenda, for better or for worse. And I think that things people hear about China, I mean, no no country is perfect, including the United States. Uh, well, I'm sure easy. Jared's going to say, watch yourself, Chad, <laughs> after saying Slipping that. Slipping on gator but, piss. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think China has a lot of great things to offer. Um, it's been a wonderful place for me to live and work so far. Um, and I'm very grateful and very happy and very fortunate to be in the position that I am in. Uh, and I'm looking forward to bringing you and all of our listeners more stories and uh, hopefully fun anecdotes as the year progresses. So, uh, so yeah, so it's been a learning yeah, experience. Uh, I agree. It's been great working with Chinese students, and uh, I can't complain. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, so if you're curious though about any future adventures or want to know more about life in China, let us know at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Pleasure. Slide into Jared's DMs on Twitter, untranslatable1. If you want to compliment him on his beautiful sweater or uh, let him know how great he's doing as not only a podcaster, but also I would say the uh, producer as well. I think he does an awesome job. And lastly, if you want to hear more uh, amazing music, check out our YouTube channel, Untranslatable Podcast, and check out our Song of the Pod playlist for artists from all over the world in multiple different languages. And lastly, please, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know how we can make this podcast better for you. We would really appreciate it. So with that being said, as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, Dziękujemy, muchas gracias, and shisha.